From the New York offices of Oxford University Press, this is the Oxford Comment, a monthly podcast featuring insights from Oxford University Press authors, editors, and more. My name is Sarah, multimedia producer and your host for this episode. I had a few conversations about the English language recently that highlighted some peculiar phrases and spellings that pop up around the holiday season. Like, have you ever noticed how British people are more likely to say Happy Christmas and Americans say Merry Christmas? This question came up while I was talking with Catherine Connor Martin, head of U.S. Dictionaries. Yeah, I, I was interested by the same question, and I assumed in, in literature and popular culture, I kept noticing British people saying Happy Christmas. Um, and so, and if you look on the internet, you will see that there are many people who have asked this question, why do British people say Happy Christmas? But as I looked into it, I discovered that I was biased in my impressions of British English, which is often the case when we talk about language and dialect, that you you notice the things that are different, but you don't notice the things that are the same. So in fact, it's not the case that Americans say Merry Christmas and British people say Happy Christmas. It's that Americans only say Merry Christmas and British people can say Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas. Irish people tend to be to say Happy Christmas more often, but um, but the tr- but the trend throughout the world is that is to say either one. Um, in the Oxford English Corpus, Merry Christmas accounts for ninety five percent of U.S. use, but it's only sixty six percent of U.K. use. But of course, the flip of that is that actually. Happy Christmas isn't even the dominant thing that people say in the UK, in spite of the fact that we perceive it as this like shibboleth of Britishness. And in, in fact, the dominance of Mary in the US seems to be a somewhat recent phenomenon. If you think of Clement C. Moore's Visit from St. Nicholas, like the last lines of that poem, in your head, if you are me, and I think this is quite common, you're thinking, I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. But that's not actually what it says in the, ni- in the 1823 poem. It says, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Um, in some later versions of the poem now that are, that are published, they actually ch- will change it because that is how much Americans find it unidiomatic to say Happy Christmas now. How did this difference in phrasing happen? Catherine explained its fairly recent origins. It's not, there's not always a reason why these things change. Um, And, but I looked into it a little bit and it seems like if there is a reason that British people began to say happy as well as merry, it may be have to do with the temperance movement. Um, So that's the anti-alcohol movement kind of associated with feminism in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And merry has these associations of jovial drunkenness and Christmas has sometimes in Christian history been frowned upon like by the pilgrims because it was associated with revelry of a of an unholy sort Um, and so explicitly there are were some temperance movement people in the 19th century in England who said don't have a merry Christmas full of you know, drunken revelry, have a happy Christmas in which you rejoice in, uh, in, in your Savior's birth, but don't do anything untoward. So that may have been something that drove it, but it, it's, it's impossible to tell. What is the case is that Mary 
now in modern English is is not used very often, except in a few fixed phrases, of which this is is one of the most common ones. And digging deeper, what about the word "merry"? Who started associating that word with Christmas in the first place? It turns out I was sitting and talking with someone who made an incredible antedating discovery about the word. So. As I, I was investigating this a few years ago, and not entirely as part of my actual assigned work for the Oxford English Dictionary, but I sort of went off on a tangent. But while I was doing it, um, I discovered what we call an antedating, which is an example of a word earlier than we had hitherto re- uh, had it recorded. So the entry for Mary in the OED um, had. Merry Christmas from the 16th century, but I found an earlier 16th century example,、um, and it was from 1534,、uh, and it is in the least merry context that you can possibly imagine. So our first known usage of Merry Christmas, technically Merry Christmas, is from 1534, the 22nd of December, and it's Bishop John Fuller. Who had been condemned to death due to his refusal to accept Henry VIII as the head of the church, and he was writing to Thomas Cromwell, Henry's chief minister, who had orchestrated his imprisonment, and he closed his letter by saying, "And thus our Lord send you a merry Christmas and a comfortable to your heart's desire," which, unless this man was more forgiving than one can possibly imagine, has to be. Pretty ironic and bitter in tone,、um, which is so out of keeping with how we usually think about Merry Christmas. That I, I it may be one of my proudest contributions <laughs> to to the OED's context uh, uh, to to the OED's record of the language is that example of Merry Christmas. That's awesome. Can I ask how what the process was like finding that, and how, what was the research process? Well, actually, I found I found it. It's It's from 1534, but I found it when I was looking at the ni- I was looking at those 19th century temperance works. So I think I was looking on Google Books, and it, it Google Books shows you the date that a book was published.、Mm-hmm. So it's looking at 19th century examples of Merry Christmas, and this came up because it was from a collection of like historical church letters and records that was published in the 19th century. But when I went and looked at it, it was On the page, it was obvious that it wasn't written in the 19th century because it's, it doesn't have the spelling of the 19th century. So, I had to read up to see, well, what date is this actually? And and in doing so, I saw what the actual context was、oh, wow. of of the letter. So it was that was a a fun discovery. Nowadays, we're wary of greeting someone during the holidays with the word Christmas. We're more likely to say Happy Holidays or write Season's Greetings in a card. I was talking about this with Alan Metcalf, author of *From Skedaddle to Selfie: Words of the Generations*. He also writes for Lingua Franca, the language blog of the Chronicle of Higher Education. Well, the question again that I think is very interesting, aside from individual words and so on, is the question of how you can send greetings to somebody without the possibility of their being insulted because they consider the language you use. Inappropriate. I mean, you know, those who might say、uh, "Merry Christmas" versus "Happy Holidays," anyhow, that kind of thing. I'm talking. We're talking about sort of marked and unmarked words. Some people 
I imagine those who are uh, especially strongly Christian but uh, obje object and say, well, Happy Holidays is a weak way of saying what you should say, Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas. Alan explained what he means when he says that a word is marked or unmarked. There's the linguistic notion of words that are marked and unmarked. And the unmarked is just the normal way of saying things. So nowadays we say, well, it's six days from now or three months from now. But you may know that a thousand years or so ago, during the old English times, people counted by nights and winters. So they'd say, well, it was six winters ago that this happened or three nights from now. And that was just a normal thing. To us now, nights or winters would seem like a noticeable way of saying things, but uh, and if we use them, we'd be using them for poetic purposes or emphatic purposes. But back then, that was just normal. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, it's just normal to, well, that's the question. What's the most normal thing? Because that's what you want to use on your cards addressed to all people. Alan and I also talked about wishing someone season's greetings, which you'll see on this year's Oxford University Press holiday card. Most holidays are called happy. So we say happy Thanksgiving or happy Valentine's Day or happy uh, 4th of July or any happy whatever it is, happy New Year. It would be strange to say Merry New Year. It is interesting to think of season's greetings, for example. Yeah. Season's greetings. That's the most innocuous of all because it doesn't anticipate that you'll be either happy or sad. It's, and it makes a point of not naming a particular day or a particular celebration. It's just season's greetings. There are those who are offended by season's greetings and who would say, well, this is the Christmas season. Let's say Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas. And vice versa, I, I'm sure that the season's greetings comes about from wanting to include everyone regardless of their religion and regardless of how they celebrate. That's probably the safest thing to use when you're sending cards. Well, if you think about American culture in general, 50 years or 60 years ago or so, there was just the, the sort of the white Christian kind of doing things was assumed to be discarded the way things were and we, it was recognized there were other kinds of people in the country but this is the way we do it so 50 or 60 years ago you'd say Merry Christmas and that was just kind of the norm the unremarkable way of saying things but it was also for those who weren't Christians but then you get the problem that people began saying wait a minute that when you say Merry Christmas, it's kind of excluding people who are not Christians. And then, well, what can you say? Well, I guess you could say season's greetings. That's the one thing you can say that's very generic. And I don't know, Happy Holidays seems a little, oh, I know, the thing with Happy Holidays, it just happens to alliterate. It seems a little cute and forced rather than any kind of a natural expression. Catherine and I also touched on the subject of carols over the course of our conversation. You know, like some carols, we 
sing the songs and then we don't even know like what the words mean anymore. Completely, like yeah. um, Deck the Halls, I think is a really good one. Yeah. The Dawn We Now Are Gay Apparel. Yeah, and then there's some Tro like Troll, troll the yeah. Ancient Yuletide Carol, yeah. I, I actually went to look that up, that troll used to mean like a certain form of singing or something like it doesn't mean like trolling someone. <laughs> yeah, right now it's, now it's like, <laughs> what would it mean to troll the the age? And and even saying Yuletide, I yeah. mean that's that's a weird like that's the Yule is the Nordic like pagan term right, right, for right. the for the winter holiday, and I don't know if it has ever been terribly current in English, but it's definitely, like, you can't say that now. Like, have a, well, you'll, you'll see, like, a cards that say, have a cool Yule. Yeah. But it's, like, only used ironically, and it's very difficult to imagine any English-speaking yeah. world in which someone could have said that, right, like, right. seriously. <laughs> that very same topic came up when I was talking to Alan, and I learned something quite interesting about God rest ye merry gentlemen. Well, one of the examples... Getting back to Mary, there's the song that we say, of course, God rest you, Mary, gentlemen. And those who study it are realize that it's not Mary, gentlemen, but God rest you, Mary. That is, God make you Mary, comma, gentlemen. And that's, maybe that's one of the ways that Mary has come into the language associated with Christmas, uh, because particular song, that particular carol, certainly in, in implies and encourages and describes merriment. Catherine and I went on a bit of a tangent while we talked, but we ended up somewhere pretty interesting. Or, and I'm like, Krampus? Like, I had never heard of that until a couple of years ago, and now it seems to like be having kind of a pop cultural moment in, yeah. in American culture. There's an Icelandic phenomenon like that, too. They have the Yule Lads, who oh, okay. are these 13 mountain men who, like, come and eat your yogurt. <laughs> One day at a time, they come and, like, troll you okay. <laughs> in, your, in your home. <laughs> or that's what they traditionally have done. In, they've gotten, like, a Coca-Cola makeover in recent years, and so oh. now they've started to wear red and white outfits and bring you candy instead of taking your stuff. There is kind of a myth of happy holidays in that it implies that everyone's having holidays right, right now. And sometimes they are, depending on how all of the calendars yeah, yeah. match up, but a lot of the time they're not. Not, yeah. Uh, this, another angle is like, how do you spell Hanukkah oh, from the yeah. language angle? Having been raised in the Jewish faith, this was a constant source of frustration for me as a little kid. And for context, this was years before I could just ask the internet. I don't think I was ever given a straight answer about one definitive way to spell Hanukkah in English from my Hebrew school teachers. I looked up the blog post Catherine had written in 2014, and she had made a really handy chart that listed the top ways English speakers spell Hanukkah. Coming in at number one is H-A-N-U-K-K-A-H, -K -K and following close behind is C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H. Then we have the rare H-A-N-N-U-K-A-H, H-A-N-U-K-A-H, and several other variations with a lot of extra N's and K's thrown in there. Catherine told me that Edmund Weiner, deputy chief editor of the Oxford English Dictionary, helped her out with writing that blog post, so I called him up one morning, as soon as I got into the office, and asked him if there was one definitive way to spell Hanukkah. We have this word, Hanukkah, the name for the Jewish festival, which 
puzzles a lot of people as to how to spell it. The vowels are all right. There's an A and a U and an A. The problem comes with all the consonants. Should it be uh, an H at the beginning or a CH at the beginning? And what about all these N's and K's? Should they be single or double? The Hebrew letters that make up the word Hanukkah are Chet, Nun, Vav, Kaf, and He. Edmund started with the beginning of the word, the most noticeable part, Hanukkah or Chanukah. Do you hear the difference? The ch sound comes from the letter chet. That's a sound we don't usually make in English, so it's difficult to indicate that sound with English letters. Well, as far as the first letter is concerned, either the H spelling or the CH spelling is, is pretty acceptable. The reason for the variation is that they stand for a letter in Hebrew, letter chet, which is a sound that English doesn't have at the beginning of a word, so it's very difficult for English speakers. And often this, this letter is transcribed with a, just simply as an H and uh, in a number of words, and that's quite possible. But often also it, it is written as a CH uh, in words like chutzpah, which is quite a, a familiar sort of um, colloquialism. And that's probably in some ways more correct. But on the other hand, it's very confusing to English speakers because it doesn't, it's not a familiar sound at the beginning of a word. So the CH something that might make them think of the CH of cheese or something like that. So either of those spellings is, is possible. The other confusing part of the word is the number of Ks you want to use. One K, two, what's the point of an extra K? And the other big variation is whether there's one K or two Ks. And that's again, goes back to Hebrew in that the Hebrew letter there, which, stand, which is transcribed as K, is marked in Hebrew for being a kind of double letter, but it doesn't really make any difference to the English pronunciation. So if we write it with two Ks or one Ks, it, it, it's not a big issue. Usually when it's spelt with a CH at the beginning, there's usually only one K, whereas whether it's, when it's written with an H at the beginning, there's usually two Ks. So those give us the two main variations. Edmund also explained the number of Ns in the word Hanukkah, which always trips me up. The one thing that is incorrect is to write it with a double N, because there's nothing in the Hebrew to support that, and there's nothing in English pronunciation either. So it's, it's really pointless to, to double the N, but it's not very common anyway. You do see it. And as for the final H, well, that's again pretty much a, a matter of taste, but on the whole, it's more usual to write that H, which represents um, a letter in the Hebrew word. So there we are. We have uh, many different spellings, but um, H-A-N-U-K-K-H is just about the commonest, and then followed not far behind by C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H. These days I tend to spell Hanukkah in English as C-H-A-N-U-K-A-H, and then some people respond to me by saying Chag Sameach, which means Happy Holidays in Hebrew. This is just a tiny slice out of the enormous amount of different languages, cultures, and traditions that encompass what is more commonly known as the holiday season. You can find that blog post about spelling Hanukkah at blog.oxforddictionaries.com, and Alan's website is alanmetcalf.net, and his book, From Skedaddle to Selfie, is available now. A very festive thank you to Catherine, Alan, and Edmund. You can find more episodes of the Oxford Comment on SoundCloud, iTunes, and as always, 
on the OUP blog. Thanks for listening to this episode and season's greetings from the Oxford Comet.